Welcome to Deepen with Pastor Joby Martin. The Church of 1122 is a movement for all people to discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're praying this message helps you deepen your relationship with Him. Now let's dive in. Hey, so uh, before we get started, let's talk for just a minute about Advanced Commitment Night at the time of this recording. It's coming up. And it's a super important thing uh, for our church. What do you guys love about Advanced Commitment Night? What are you excited about? This will be our... Brett, you build the whole thing. Yeah. The, uh, I, Wait, the here's whole... an organizational gym for all of those. You mentioned last week a bunch of churches listen. Yeah. You take your best and brightest people and you put it on, put them on the most important things. Mm. That's why Britt runs right Advanced there. Commitment Night. Thank you very much. I won't argue with you. I've learned it. It's, it goes takes me nowhere, so I appreciate <laughs> the kind words. Um, I have, as a sheep in this flock, I have experienced advanced commitment weekends twice now. Once was for the Before All Things discipleship journey, and we did that advanced commitment night down at uh, what was Everbank Field, now TIAA Field, and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. And I'd never really been a part of anything like that. Um, and then with the One Initiative, we did it at what is now our fully mm-hmm. redesigned, full built-out footprint of our San Pablo campus. Mm-hmm. When we did Advanced Commitment Night, it was all just a shell and a Hobby mm-hmm. Lobby, and we did it here. Um, probably one of the most miraculous, freeing spiritually significant experiences of my life. Um, and I know of others. Um, and so I, I have a hard time explaining what hap- what's happening in the supernatural mm-hmm. by people trusting Jesus in that way, specifically with that kind of tangible action step around finances. Mm-hmm. And, and these initiatives, these the discipleship journeys are not – the primary goal is, is – is not the financial number. The primary goal is that hearts would be surrendered unto Jesus in a deeper and more significant way. And and our hearts follow our finances. Mm-hmm. And so to see that many people taking that much heart and putting it into Jesus' hands mm-hmm. through his church is just um, – it's, it's, it's an incredibly significant experience, no doubt. So I, I'm so grateful. Like I can't wait for this weekend. Mm. By the time you hear this podcast, it will have already happened. Um, but don't miss it. Don't miss it. <laughs> don't miss it. Flux capacitor. Flux capacitor. <laughs> go back, there go back to the future, baby. <laughs> so two things about advanced commitment night in regards to, um, you know, when 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 Jesus tells Peter he's going to give him the keys to the kingdom of heaven, he gives this prophecy, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you're going to bind and loose things here mm. that are bound and loosed in heaven. Mm. There's man, you don't get to buy baptisms, mm-hmm. but we put our commitments into the baptismal tubs mm. because, just like we talked about tonight in the Book of Acts, their bold generosity fueled gospel ministry. Well, it does here too. Okay, so last year, man, the last one we did four years ago. First of all, we're sitting in it mm-hmm. right this second. Sure, I mean, we're, we are sitting in the fruit of that, so that's mm-hmm. cool. <clears throat> but in our church knows this so well. Man, for 30 years I've been praying for my dad's salvation mm-hmm. and said it out loud while I had our commitment card in our hand. It was by far the largest commitment to anything Gretchen and I had ever made. Mm-hmm. And it was during the one initiative where we decided that in our like monthly budget, the largest number would go to the local church, you know? Mm-hmm. And I said, man, I am praying that my daddy would get saved before this initiative is over and do that thing in there. Sure enough, a year and a half later that summer is when my dad put his faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. Those things, there's something that is loosed that is loosed. No doubt. <clears throat> and then on this one, We've been in well, meetings. Well, let's stay on that for a yeah. second because I do think the details of that matter a ton. Okay. Like you've been praying like crazy for your dad for And trying to share the decades. gospel with him. And you're honest. Like you're like, there were seasons where, honestly, I didn't pray as much because I kind of had lost a little bit of hope. Sure. And then God would reconvict my heart and I would pray more. Um, and then you, like anytime he would come to church here, 
You would only preach to him. I leveraged every weekend he showed up, became a one more weekend, and I only preached the salvation message to him. Mm-hmm. And then God... And one eye open and looked at him, see if he'd raise his hand. God puts that on your heart for the sake of cha- challenging and encouraging our, our church, mm-hmm. and you step out in faith and do that. Now, when your dad comes to the Lord... It wasn't like you were sitting around thinking about that number that you wrote down, and it was a year. It was a year and a half later, and you're sitting in a hotel room preparing a sermon, yep. and God tells you another step to take, and He says you need to text your daddy. Yeah, because the you know I'm working on a sermon on prayer, and it's like, what father among you, if his kid asks for a fish, we give him a scorpion? And I had the thought. I wrote down. I was like, I got a good dad, mm-hmm. and even though we didn't grow up in church, and he wasn't even a believer. The kind of dad that he was helped me understand the father heart of God. And I wrote it down, and then I'm telling you, the Spirit of God said, text him. And I remember thinking, that doesn't even make sense. I don't even like to text things serious. Hmm. And I shot him a text with an invitation, and he responded in the affirmative that he was ready to surrender his life to Christ. Hmm. And I, I just cried and cried and cried and cried. And I called my brother, and I was like, <laughs> I couldn't talk because he's were crying. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Crazy. Uh-huh. So yeah, my point is that those things are all seeds in the same garden. Yeah, mm. that God's growing together, and I can't all the way explain it, but it's all connected. There ain't no doubt about it, in my opinion. So then you fast forward to today, mm-hmm. we get out of some meeting, and I've got a little bit of gap in time, which I never have. And um, for those who came, will know that advanced commitment night was like a full immersive worship experience. It wasn't three songs and a talk. Mm-hmm. And so I'm walking through the timeline, man. So I've never seen that picture on the front row of beach after an 1122 service. Mm. Or I've never seen that picture. The elders are there. Brad Bowen's sitting there. Stone's holding one of his kids. JP and Ben's kids are sitting next to Carrie looking at Stone and the elders have their arms around me. And that was like the beginning Mm. And then I walked through I walked through the timeline just looking at the pictures, man. Mm. And then when I turned the corner and saw all of our partnerships, you know, and the thing, dude, I got, it wasn't even all the way done yet, and I just could not hold it together today. Mm. Just on like, who would have ever thought? Mm. Mm. I mean, when you talk about exceedingly more than you ever hoped or imagined, wow. I felt like I was... That verse was like, I could touch it. It was tangible, you know? And I know you had a large part of of creating that kind of environment that would remind us of the goodness of God over the last 10 plus years. Oh my gosh, man. It's, it was so powerful. I just felt like I was walking, used the term garden, like a garden of gratitude to just be like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And we're just getting started. Yeah, it's incredible that we get to be a part of it. You know, I had I had this thought, like in this in the text we're going to get into in a minute in Acts, the religious leaders say about the apostles, they say there's no there's no way to threaten them uh, because they weren't responding. They're just like we're just going to obey God. And one of the things that was powerful in that period of time was that physical pain was not a threat. Like they were just like, sure, lock us up, or you know, beat us, imprison us. You know, like that. That wasn't the thing that would stop them. And when you think about humans, people, just bear with me for a second. I'm gonna get there. When you think about humans, the threat of physical pain is kind of like the ultimate thing. But maybe today, because that's kind of that's kind of foreign to us. We live pretty comfortable lives. Maybe a modern day equivalent is your finances. And so, just like those New Testament apostles, there was such power and they loved not their lives even unto death. It's almost like the watching world sees, you love not this, this thing, this money. You love, you love Jesus so much that you're willing to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have an open hand to the thing that drives so much of the world that it's almost like it gives a similarly compelling message to the world. Does that make sense? Yes. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> well, should we dive into our summer from, t- from tonight? Want to go there? Let's go. Okay. I was thinking about this leading in, lead into it too, because I knew we were talking from Acts 3 and 4. Have you ever heard somebody say, man, the church today is just so 
it's just a big organization. It's a big, we just got to go back to the simpler times of the early church. <laughs> I was, I was laughing when people say that. Uh, have you ever heard, like, why would that, be, why, what would you say to somebody who was saying that? Um, because that's, that's probably not something you want to flux capacitor all the way back to. Yeah, on a, on a, in a, in a very positive day, an encouraging day, um, which that comes around for me, like, you know, Christmas, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, choosing to believe the positive in that, I would say, I think I understand what you're saying from the spirit of it, mm-hmm. the, the, the spirit, the spirit of purity in the bride and the spirit of unity and working together and sharing all of our resources and so much of what made the early church distinctive in the culture at the time. I, okay. So from a positive, however, Acts did not stop in two or in three. Yeah, it, right. The church, certainly from Acts two to four, there's a significant shift in how they chose to organize for the sake of the mission unto the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And then all the way to 28 into where we are now, that shift in four and then again in 10 at Cornelius's house. And then, and so it didn't just stop there. Right. There's a clear, there's some clear markers in how the church chose by under God's sovereignty to organize. And so I would just say, you got, you need to keep reading. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I love, I mean, almost every like church planners conference, you can find some track. We're going to be the Acts two church, but like neat. Mm -hmm. God didn't want, in Acts 3, he didn't want you to be the Acts 2 church anymore because it was time to grow up, and now you're not just uh, you're not just sharing needs with one another, but you're selling fields and bringing it to the disciples, to the apostles' feet. By the time you get to Acts 6, they do a reorg of the staff, and they've got to institute deacons. I mean, mm-hmm. it, there's all kinds of progressions. By the time you get to Acts 15, they're having councils mm-hmm. on what they're going to tell other church plants are their basic requirements to live together in the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, and then and then you want to go and, and which early church you want to go to? Right. You, first, you want to go Corinthians? Nope. That is sick, man. When you put people in prison for the things that those churches mm-hmm. were doing at that time, you know. So, yeah, you, it's very good idea to to be the church in the season that God has called you to be, mm-hmm. and to be as faithful. Which I talk about this to our staff a lot. In the New Testament, you do not find prescription of what the church ought to be. Right. It's who the people ought to be. Mm-hmm. But it's wide open because the yeah. church is going to be for all times and all seasons and every tribe, tongue, tongue and nation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's all kinds of biblically faithful expressions, mm-hmm. New Testament apostolically faithful Correct. expressions of the local church. Some are big, some are small, mm-hmm. some are house, some are multi-campus, some are. There's all kinds of biblically faithful. So, yeah, and keep I digging. think I think we've done a pretty good job here. I know the spirit, at least. The spirit here at 11.22 is not to be critical of other styles of church, whether that's – because there's a pretty broad spectrum of ecclesiological faithfulness allowed in the New Testament. Definitely. And um, one of the things I think that the 1010 life allows us, especially the abundant life section and the eternal life with church planning, we partner with a whole bunch of people. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think our folks would find it surprising, especially church folks – we find it surprising. We have planted Presbyterian churches, and we have pl- planted like very charismatic churches mm-hmm. for sure. All we just anybody that believes the authority of the word and the sufficiency mm-hmm. of Christ, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll plant churches with you. Yeah, it's interesting. Sometimes our folks will be in different cities, and they'll go to our website that has all of our church plants on it. I mm-hmm. think it's. Uh, uh, you can find it on the coe2.com, but there's a digital map there right, that's yeah. got all the churches that we've been able to help plant. And they'll attend it on the weekend thinking it's going to be like 1122s yeah. as far as expression. And it's totally different. You know what I mean? Yep. And then they come back and they don't really know how to. And so it's a really cool thing, man, to, to be able to be a part of, man, because the kingdom is just radically diverse. diverse for, for sure. In all measures of diversity, yeah. you know, so. You said Praise that recently. You were, you were talking about that's one of the distinctive differences between the old covenant with Israel, yeah. that it was culturally defined. It was culturally bound. And then in the new covenant, mm-hmm. it's 
culturally transcendent, which I think is beautiful. Amen. Yeah, we were commissioning, last week we were commissioning uh, licensing ministers mm-hmm. that had been through our process here, and, and uh, we're trying to be faithful to the New Testament. Right. But there's no job description on what a minister does. In the Old Testament, it goes down to what your haircut looks like and mm-hmm. what clothes you wear on what day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the New Covenant, it's done talking about anything, like what you do, it's who you are. Mm-hmm. These are the qualifications. Mm-hmm. And so that's because if you're going to lead a church in, in, in the basement of North Korea and you've got half of a page from 1 John, mm-hmm. that's all you got. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's very different than what we're doing here. That's right. And praise God for it all. Yeah. Man, we need to go to North Korea. Let's go. I think now that we've said it and it's on the YouTubes, somebody will be watching. But okay. <laughs> Let's go. Reach out to us. We'll, we're going to plan an underground church in North For Korea. sure. Side note, we should do a bonus episode on like a bonus episode on the councils. Okay. On like the three or four major councils that you should know about. Sign me up. That'd be awesome. I'm so ready for it. Okay, so let's imagine somebody, I'm still on this early church thing real quick. Let's imagine somebody who is relatively new to Bible study. Or How would you, Pastor Joby, explain to somebody the different ways that God has worked in different seasons that were for that time? Like... Because it kind of goes to that person who's looking for, oh, we should be just like the apostles. But there was a specific thing that he was doing in redemptive history. And and there's for sure ditches on both sides of that argument to say, well, God only does certain things because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So how would you help somebody navigate navigate that? Well, as Protestants, what we are going to be is submitted to the authority of the Word of God, not church tradition, mm-hmm. that we are only going to call sacramental the things that Jesus instituted that way and not like add some things to that, Mm -hmm. that there are some just baseline things of this is what a church is, the preached word of God, the corporate worship, baptisms, Lord's Supper, those kinds of things. But it's all under the banner of therefore go. I mean, every church should be a great commissioned church. And so I think it's the role that the local church, depending on the time and season, plays in regards to the Great Commission that is the Mm -hmm. most distinctive. Mm -hmm. So, like, Paul is going to hop on a mail route and start planting them as fast and furious as he can without getting them all technically perfect Mm -hmm. before he goes on to go to the next one, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Then he's going to come back around and run through there and start tightening everybody up. So a lot of it has to do with that, too. Mm -hmm. Is there a way to think about where we're living now as, like, we're in the what what some would say is the church age, and that that particular protects us from thinking about these new innovative things that the church might become next. Because if we start thinking of ourselves like, well, Israel went into the promised land and they they conquered it and then they built and then they were exiled. And then it was, you think about these movements of God's story. Uh, and I think some people might blend that over into the way the church is supposed to continue to develop and grow, but I don't think it's the same. Uh, it, as long as it stays, I'm okay for sure with development and growth as long as it is anchored to the Word of right. God. You get away from that, the warning in Revelation is, I'm pulling my lampstand out of there because mm. I'm not even in that church in Laodicea. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, so it, it's very, very, very important to stay anchored to the authority of the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so you laid out these four things from Acts 3 and 4, four bold things, bold faith, bold witness, bold prayers. Bold giving, and let's let's talk about the prayer for a minute. And you told that story about what if you got arrested, and uh, the kind of prayers that you would pray. <laughs> and it's it, true, isn't it? I it mean, is. Think about it. If me and you got arrested, I think if we walked into staff meeting, I don't think the first thing. I think it would be like we need plans. Mm-hmm. Like you guys can't travel together. Mm-hmm. And get arrested. There's too much on the line. Yeah, you know what I mean. For sure. What do you think made him pray that, bro? There, and I. I mean, I try. We talk about this a lot. When I read the Bible, I try to like put on my hopefully spirit inspired imagination mm-hmm. and smell it. You mm-hmm. know, and bro, I don't think they had a plan at all. Mm-hmm. I think they were like so desperate, and they had just seen so much. Mm-hmm. They weren't running like a strategy. Mm. They were totally desperate for the sovereign God to move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a dependency thing, man. It's a dependency thing. I think they were so wildly aware of 
I got nothing, man. Mm. I got nothing. You know what I mean? Like, they weren't thinking strategic. They were thinking survival. They're also, they got some pretty good evidence, though, you know, about the power sense? of prayer. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, very recently, 120 of them or so are together, and Jesus said, hang out in this room and wait for the Spirit of God to come. Mm-hmm. And when he does, you're going to receive power. And mm-hmm. they're praying, and they they see they feel wind, they see tongues, and then they see Peter preach, and they see 3,000 people get baptized. They just mm-hmm. saw that. Mm-hmm. And now they hear about a healing, and they're like, maybe they're like, bro, you know what just worked? Mm-hmm. Prayer. Let's do that, because mm-hmm. we saw the hand of God move. Mm-hmm. And he does. I think it was also clear to them that uh, who they were dealing with, because this was the same group For sure. that had put Jesus to death. Right. And so when they're dealing with that group, they're like, yeah, they're going to be opposed to us. And so when they heard the threats of that group, they were like, Lord, we need boldness because we're not going to be able to shut them down because that's what, what's been going on. Um, so both times when they, when they pray for boldness or the boldness that's mentioned is attributed to being filled with the Holy Spirit. So let's get into that for a little bit. That, that's a thing that, you know, I was listening to this song this week, and it was, it was, it's so catchy. Like, don't you, don't you love slash hate that when you got a song that's so catchy? And I was listening to it, and I was like, I think that's wrong. <laughs> you know, I was like, dang it, now it's in my head, but I think it's wrong because it's talking about like wanting the Holy Spirit to come and and rest on us. And I was like, I think He is already. So I don't, I don't know that I have to say, please do that because He is. You know what I mean? And you talked a little bit about that in the sermon, but. Uh, how do how do believers lean into boldness that comes from the fullness of the Holy Spirit today? So I think the confusion is in the word baptism. Um, uh, baptizo is a Greek word that gets transliterated. Right. And honestly, it was because when King James, when the people that were translating the King James, they couldn't write what the word, they couldn't translate the word or they'd get their head cut off because that's not what the church was doing at that point. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't dip, dunk, submerge, drowned. Because they were not doing that, so they just transliterated the word. Okay, mm-hmm. so if you just don't use that word and just use the word immerse instead, mm-hmm. okay, the moment you get saved, the Spirit of God is deposited fully in every believer, and every believer is immersed in the Spirit of God mm-hmm. once and for all. There's one baptism, okay? But throughout the life of the believer, there are times where you are more tuned in and the Spirit is moving in a greater sense in you. Mm-hmm. And the illustration that Ryan Sweat gave us in a meeting the other day that I never heard, and I think it's mm-hmm. great, but it's like, is a balloon full? Yeah, but you can add more air or leak mm-hmm. some out. Mm-hmm. And so it's all full, but sometimes it's like more full than other times. I think that's a relatively good way to think about it. And the question is not, how do I get more Spirit? The question really is, how do I make sure the Spirit has all of me, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think that is a better way to think about it. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I, I have zero tension in I, I, am, I have been filled by the Spirit of God through the process of salvation, the justification by faith, the regeneration, mm-hmm. You know, like I think I was fully sealed right. in the Spirit of God. And I want to be full mm-hmm. of the Spirit of God. Mm-hmm. I don't see those things in tension with each other. It's kind of like sometimes we create an either or and, and it's there's an and both. Like right. I am filled by the Spirit of God and there's nothing wrong with me praying, God, fill me with your Spirit. Mm. And because be, he knows what I mean and he knows where my language falls apart and he know, does that make sense? And mm-hmm. so it's not my yes, my cup in a cosmic grace train process of salvation on justification unto glorification is totally full. It is totally sealed. It is totally promised. It has been totally delivered. I am totally redeemed. Spirit filled, no question about it. And the spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. And sometimes the flesh gets takes gets in the way yeah. and I wanna you know what I mean? Like I wanna be overflowing with the spirit of God. And so there's those things aren't intention to me at all. They yeah. they you are pray for the, the gifts, same. Man. For the glory of it God and the edification, the gifts right? But not for you. This. So most the so I'll, I'll kind of Jesus juke people sometimes when they're like, "Why don't we talk about the Holy Spirit more?" And I go, "Because He didn't want us to." 
Like what? Yeah, he only wants to spotlight Jesus. Hmm. Like if the Holy Spirit had a role in a play, he would be running the spotlight, shining mm-hmm. it at Jesus. Mm-hmm. That is his role. Yeah. So all of the gifts are to edify the church to the glory of Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, that is what he does. The danger is a lot of people that want to talk about the spirit and the gifts of the spirit actually want to talk about themselves, mm-hmm. not about how they can serve the Great Commission and the edification of the church. Yeah. Another side note to that analogy of the balloon is that in order to, to have more, then you got to stretch. That's right. Boom. Uh, <laughs> and every before you send your emails, every metaphor falls apart somewhere. <laughs> that said, that's a pretty good one. Yeah. And so... Uh, what what experience comes to your mind when you think of the Holy Spirit filled me with boldness to fill in the blank? The one that I was just talking about, text my dad. Yeah, that idea is not from me. Mm-hmm. I didn't make that up. Like I said, I don't even like to text serious or sensitive things. It's like a rule. Mm-hmm. I felt like God prompted me to do that. Another one, honestly, if you're not a preacher, you're not going to get this. Man, when I write sermons, mm-hmm. all right, so. A year ago, I know that I'm going to teach Acts 3 mm-hmm. in this series, 10, right. 10 Life Series, about boldness, okay? And then I sit down this week, and I'm looking at these two chapters, and I'm like, it is like these two chapters were created to support the 1010 Life Project and what we're doing. There's bold faith. You got to take action. Can you just sign up and help us with one of the initiatives? There's bold witness. Let's not forget about our one more. There's bold prayer. We've been doing this thing. And then there's bold generosity or bold sacrifice or bold surrender. And we're doing advanced commitment night. I feel like God does not owe me a sermon. And mm-hmm. I look at the words on the page mm-hmm. and it just kind of, it not kind of, it starts coming together in a way that is beyond me just doing this for a long time. Yeah. How often does it happen where you're you're up there and something's not part of your notes, but you're like, this needs to be said right now. And then Monopoly wasn't in my notes tonight. Yeah. But my mom's here. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking about the like the the disciples had a field. Okay, Barnabas had a field. Mm-hmm. And he somehow he realized that temporary nature of that field and the eternal work of the movement he was a part of. Mm -hmm. And so that thought, and my mom's here, and Monopoly went, and I just said, you know what, Mm -hmm. it's like Monopoly. Mm -hmm. And you've all, we've all heard it all goes in the box thing, but Mm -hmm. there's some of those kind of things. I don't know. I, I had, I have a number of people tonight. This happens often, you know, it's like, do you, do you have a camera in my house? How do you know what I'm going through? That kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. And I need to, I let them know, listen, man, that's the spirit of God teaching you things, mm-hmm. you know? Mm. But it is, it'll get me a, a bit emotional that God does not owe me a sermon mm-hmm. and yet he graces me mm-hmm. with the ability. I mean, because they're his sheep, they're not mm-hmm. my sheep. He want, mm-hmm. John 10 lets us know he wants to speak to them. Mm-hmm. One of the ways he does is through sermons. Yeah. I think it happens for me the most with like a nudge to, to talk to somebody or mm-hmm. ask somebody something and... Then I'm like, okay, I think the Holy Spirit gave me a boldness to say, hey, is everything okay right now in your mm-hmm. in your marriage? Like, I don't know. I have no reason to ask that, except I just think I should. Um, I do think if the if God has actually called you or commanded you or spoken to you personally to do something, um, He will always confirm what He's called. So you don't have to let everybody else know that God told mm-hmm. you to do it. Mm-hmm. You can trust Him to do it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? For sure. It's a it's a a bit of an unfair card to play. Oh yeah. I mean, we've all had that happen to us, right? Where somebody says, "God told me to tell you," and my first thought when somebody leads with that is not usually like, "I should get my pen and write this down." That's not what I'm not, yeah, not what I'm thinking. Uh, <clears throat> okay, so when when I hear you talking about boldness, it made me think of this sense of urgency, and certainly the the advanced commitment night and jumping into ten ten and feeling like man, there's all these people, and we were trying to alleviate the suffering, especially eternal suffering, like you said, and um, that seems to me to be a spectrum: the spectrum of urgency versus complacency, and Maybe there's different times in our lives where we're on different ones. So how do you personally um, balance or, or 
navigate that that continuum. And we've we, I've heard Dr. John Piper talk about, hey, we're in a wartime mentality, so how dare we? And so he would probably be more on the side of like, don't buy new clothes and don't go to the movies or don't go to restaurants versus, you know, I have a hobby and it costs money to go buy the stuff that I need for that hobby. You know what I mean? Like, how do you guys balance between that sense of urgency and what, the, like just the day of life that you're living? I think it's, we talked about this in the One Initiative more, uh, trying to describe what the word echad means. But I think mm. if you get away from the, like, thinking about God as one of, like, number one on your list of priorities, and mm. instead you think about the Lord is the page on which you list your priorities, mm. then you can be on mission all the time. You should give every stinking dime he c- tells you to give. Mm. And if you're not at 10%, how can you even say that he's the Lord of your finances? Mm-hmm. I mean, that is the bottom basement level mm-hmm. beginning training wheels mm-hmm. of the old covenant. So don't we have a greater revelation in the new covenant because we have mm-hmm. Jesus? So, mm-hmm. all right. And men, you feel guilty about zero of the rest of it if you've done what he said. And then you look to leverage all of it. Mm. So you celebrate your family and you go on purpose to really great rest, whatever restaurants you like, you know. Mm-hmm. For the glory of God, and you keep your eyes open to, is he nudging you to witness to the waitress? Tell you a story about the retired pastor guy you just took to lunch, yeah. dinner. You do this. Yeah, so we actually were doing that. Somebody gave us a gift card to a steak restaurant, nice mm-hmm. one. And there's a, a couple in our church that are awesome. He, he was a pastor for a long time, and he's retired, and... They've had they've had a lot of ups and downs and faithful. Man, just faithful. Most of the churches, all the churches he served at over the course of decades, none of them went like this. Mm-hmm. Which most don't. Faithful. And he reminds me of my dad, if I'm honest. And like I look at him and the way he moves and the way he approaches God's word and it's just like I'm just like, I'm gonna hang out with this guy. So anyway, we get blessed with a gift card by somebody to go to a, a steak restaurant and and so we're like, let's invite some others to come and bless them, right? So that's what we did. We invited this this couple, and we had a great dinner. But this is how I grew up. This is so how I grew up. I'm sitting next to him, and the the waitress walks up, and he says, what's your name, man? She tells us her name, and he goes, well, we're about to pray for our meal. How can we be praying for? How can we pray for you? And I'm like, it's like I'm throwing back to, it's like all the old Baptist boys they taught him this back in some, oh, yeah. back in the seventies, man. And um, and she's like, she kind of catches off guard. She's super sweet, and she answers, you know, my family or whatever. And he's like, ma'am, do you have a church? This is one of the pastors at my church. We'd love for you to come to our church. Mm-hmm. And she kind of, you know. S- Kind of catches her off guard, but she she's great about it. Right. So sure enough, the dinner we start we start praying, hmm. and um, and the interesting thing about this guy is if if the in if when you can in the moments when you're not like looking at him, you will catch him regularly. In my experience, he'll have just like a tear running down his face in a moment of worship or in a moment of prayer in a moment of. Because the Lord is like, he's just so grateful still after all he's been through mm. to be a part of what God's doing and to be able to talk about, to invite somebody to come with him to church. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm going to be honest, that ain't where I live all the time. You know what I mean? And so I'm just so inspired by it. And so mm. anyway, we pray for her. And by the end of it, um, she's as she comes back and we settle the bill up with our sweet gift card. And, and uh, she's like, will you write down the name of your church on the... On the receipt, because uh, I, I would I would like to come. Mm. And you could just see it on his face, man. He's just moved mm-hmm. by the fact that God would use him in that moment. Who knows what God's going to do with her? Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's the story. Man, if you don't go out to eat, how you, you know? That's right. That's it. We'll talk about it actually next week a ton, uh-huh. because I think Paul's dis- uh, it, instruction to Timothy, command those who are rich in this presentation, mm-hmm. I think it's more of a holistic, like, let's talk about 100% of it. You know, right. we've, we've spent some time here on stored resources, on first and best, but mm-hmm. his instruction to Timothy is to enjoy. Right. You cannot enjoy it, though, if you're robbing God. Mm. 
But when you give to God, this is why I feel no guilt if somebody's trying to guilt me into giving something to some charity. Mm-hmm. I'm like, listen, man, I don't, you know, I, I I can freely and cheerfully decide to or not to, but right. I have brought my first and best to the yeah. Lord and committed to it and stretched and travel hard. You're not trying to sue the guilty conscience. Correct. Well, it's interesting you brought up, you know, when you were talking about urgency, there's probably more categories than this, but you said the word complacency, and it just got me thinking like, it's kind of like there's complacency and apathy, which this is real dangerous ground. Like you should never be complacent toward the Lord. It's not good for your soul. It's not mm-hmm. good. It's just this, you're in a bad spot, bro. <laughs> you know. Um, and then there's like urgency, and then there's a then urgency can sometimes cross into emergency. Mm-hmm. Everything's on fire, and and right. you know it get, there's a lot of theological problems with right. emergency with with a sovereign God. However, urgency to me is a very biblically faithful place to, to, to live from. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Bible uses words like we are compelled mm-hmm. by the love of Christ that, um, you know, that, that we, are, we are motivated. We spur one another on, like, go, go, <laughs> go. Yeah. Um, and, and so there's a lot of urgency. But I think it's always, for me, when I think of urgency, what am I urgent for? Do I want people to experience Miracles, yes. Primarily the miracle of salvation, yes. Do I want people to, to to walk in God's blessings in their life? Yes. Do I want people to understand the joy of what it is to live in the obedience of the Master? Yes. Disciples to be made on this earth, yes. All these things, yes, 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 yes. But that is not the root of urgency, in my opinion. What I want more than anything is Jesus to come back. Mm-hmm. So the urgency for me is I want him to come back. And I know, based on what the scriptures have said, that the last domino to fall is that every tribe, tongue, and nation would hear. And when that happens, it could be 10,000 years later. But as far as I can discern, that is the last domino to fall before the king comes back. And so I don't want to just be a part of fulfilling the Great Commission. I actually want to see the Great Commission fulfilled in my lifetime. I want to see Mm. every tribe, every tongue, every nation hear the good news of Jesus Christ and have the ability to be discipled Mm -hmm. into the kingdom (laughs) and in the kingdom. And so for me, like there's a lot of urgency there Mm. of highest obsession, Mm -hmm. which is him. Like I want to see him. And I, I want as many people, not just about me, I want as many people as would choose to believe to 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 be ready mm-hmm. on the day when he returns. So anyway. Yeah, and I got a whole bunch of friends and family I want to take right. with us when we go before the heavens are rended and he comes, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Some of the last words makes me think some of the last words of Revelation, you know. The, Lord the spirit and the bride say, come, come, come quickly. Maranatha is what that means. Come quickly. Right. Um, and we get to be a part of it. That's awesome. Okay. So you mentioned Pastor Joby that we, we read in Acts three or four that in the maturity of the church, people are bringing their gifts mm-hmm. and laying up at the apostles feet instead of just like, Hey, you need some, you need some help. I'll give it to you or whatever. So what do you tell a person who has felt hurt by giving money to a church? Like they've entrusted and they're, they got burned. Didn't we talk about this? We did. So as a short review, I'm very, very sorry. As long as there's sinful man running churches, there will be mm-hmm. sin in the churches. Yeah. I think if, you, um, if you're going to preach Malachi 3 and bring the full tithe to the storehouse and you're on staff at the storehouse, you better run a tight storehouse. So yeah, yeah. we do ECFA accreditation, which we just mm-hmm. got our... Well, somebody emailed me today and said thanks, and I'm... Thank you. They said thanks to us for, like, doing that stuff. Doing that stuff. Yeah. And I thought that was cool that they would take the time to do yeah, that. Yeah, we also do an external audit. You know, I, okay, so what I would say to the person, depends on how well I know them. First and foremost, I would say thank you. Pastor Britt talked about this a lot. You gave that to the Lord, man. That's right. That ain't your fault. And I even brought up the the widow's might. Mm-hmm. She was investing in a crooked, right, in a, in a den of robbers. Yeah. Jesus patted her on the head and said, "Well done." Okay. Mm-hmm. So then, if I were to try to continue in their discipleship, I would say, fully investigate. If you're here, mm-hmm. fully investigate this church. Mm-hmm. We have 
total transparency, whatever you need to know. It's why we do these accreditations and stuff like that. In the meantime, what I want for your own heart is the abundant life. Mm-hmm. And you can't be selfish to live the abundant life. So as you're trying to learn to have trust here, would you invest in a trustworthy organization? Mm-hmm. You know, I think a local church matters. I mean, there's a lot of great ministries and missions that you can give to. Mm-hmm. But I think those are secondary to the local church. Jesus mm-hmm. didn't say, upon this rock, I'm going to build my parachurch. He said, I'm going to build my church, <laughs> and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Right Now, all of those parachurch organizations, we partner. I mean, if you want to support a bunch of them, give here because we support a bunch of them. You know, um, And then, really, the person needs to dig in and say, am I actually just using this for an excuse? Right. Because if you turn one more page <laughs> in Acts, it gets real crazy. Mm. Right? Because some people are trying to rob God. And God's like, I ain't playing that. Yeah. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go read the next chapter. Yeah, they're called Ananias and Sapphira. Oh, yeah. It does not go I really good. Talk, I really want to talk about that. Because, the uh, feet we should, are waiting at the door. Yeah. If you go back to the early days, you preached on it. Yeah, for sure. And so I heard a guy one time preach only on the feet. That, that line, the feet are waiting at the door. An entire sermon on mm. that right there. And I was like, wow, that's... I saw it was creative. Um, Some Pastor Britt said last week that I do think that the person, this this hypothetical, but it's an actuality, especially these days and these places. Um, There is a difference between mismanagement, like church leaders mismanaging funds, Mm -hmm. and a church doing something that would be outside of your preferences. Okay. And you should very seriously make sure you discern between those two. Because, again, man, your heart's going to be all tied up in that stuff. Mm -hmm. So, like, if they decided to build a school instead of playing a church, okay, man, that's, you know, God put the leaders there to make decisions, Mm -hmm. et cetera. Now, if there is – if there are other things, improprieties and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing, then – those are two different things. Yeah, different times along the way in different churches. Uh, this may have happened here before. I can't think of any one time, but um, there was a certain tool at, at a previous church that somebody wanted us to implement the specific tool. Right. And they were like, you know, I'll, I'll pay for it and I'll pay to support it and keep it on going and yada, yada, yada. And that that church, we didn't do designated giving. There was no, we just didn't right. do it for right. countless reasons. And it's like, but as a part of this church, you can trust that, that that's going to the advancement of God's kingdom and the declaration of Christ as supreme and, mm-hmm. and discipleship. And it's like, no, well, I'm not. I only want to do this thing. Right. And it's like, well, are you going to sow that into the kingdom another way? No, just this. Yeah, that's we not should bringing, talk. We should talk. That's not bringing that a land sense? at the feet. Like, and so that's controlling. Yeah, there's there's mm-hmm. discussion there, and I don't, mm-hmm. I don't say that with a judgmental spirit as much as it's like that's very different. Like, if that person takes, it's like you're not doing the thing I want you to do, or mm-hmm. I don't, and they take off because of X, Y, or Z. Then mm-hmm. you know, may, man, may God be with them and peace be on them. But that's not the spirit of what we're talking about. But then there's totally like clearly blatant abuses throughout church history right. where people have been seriously burned and I get that too. So they're just different. You're so right. So an often quoted scripture, I think totally out of in the wrong context is when Jesus says, uh, render under Caesar what is Caesar and under God's what's God's. I think the primary point of that is because he says, whose, whose image does this bear? Right. Caesar's. Okay, that's his. Whose image do you bear? Mm-hmm. So give you to God. Okay. However, yep. If you keep going down that, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and God's what is God's. Well, if first and best is God's, and you're not rendering that unto him, mm-hmm. designated giving with strings attached, mm-hmm. and if you don't do what I want you to do with it, mm-hmm. is not rendering unto God what is God's. Mm-hmm. That's his. Yeah. First and best is his. It ain't yeah. yours to, to manipulate and navigate the way you want to go. And there's always an interesting question between like good giving and gospel giving, and I don't think those are necessarily the same thing. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of good things in the world that yeah. that you're giving toward for the sake of like g- goodness, growing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you know? But that's different than gospel giving. Like, this seed is being sowed directly into the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the declaration of the good mm-hmm. news of Jesus Christ of Nazareth as revealed to us through the prophets in the Old Testament and the apostles in the New that is solely and singularly dedicated to the declaration of Jesus Christ having been resurrected from the dead unto his return. Mm-hmm. That's gospel giving. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Like, And when we talk about first and best, I... I, I I believe that that is the spirit of what he's he's talking about sowing into and trusting in mm. is is the kingdom of Jesus. Right. And and there's a lot of really good things in the world that are that come from the reality that Jesus resurrected from the dead but they're not necessarily singularly designed on the declaration and dem- demonstration of the resurrection. Does that make sense? 100%. And you should do both. It's not right. that's the thing about it is that so often it's like if you get the gospel one right, your head's on a swivel for more gospel ones and good ones. Correct. You know what I mean? Everything's better, but if you if it's like you're you're auditioning many many good things, that's different than trusting in hmm. God-centered gospel things. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. So, and you mentioned control. I mean, I think that's that's really the heart of it. It's like I I want to be in control, and that isn't that what surrender is. You know, when you open your hand and you say, you know what, I'm not in control. Just like when they prayed, Sovereign Lord, and there's a, there's a miracle that happens there. Um, I thought about this when you mentioned earlier some church leaders that may be listening, and this idea of trying to trying not to offend the givers in your church or what like the people with the money. I, I, I can think of a lot of church leaders who are who are living with that. Like um maybe they're being hindered from their boldness because there's a certain group of the biggest givers. You know what I mean? What would you say to that to that pastor? Oh, ain't, ain't nobody got time for that? I'm pro well, I mean I'm praying for you, brother. And you're trying to be faithful in a really difficult situation, but, you know, do you now seek to please God or man? Yeah, if you still sought the, appro- if you yeah. still sought the approval of man, then you would not be a bond servant of Christ. And, um, you don't poke the bear just to poke the bear. Right. But how do you biblically faithfully make disciples and not talk about what the Bible says about money? Hmm. Plus many other things. It's not money. This is not all encompassing of discipleship. Sure. It is just incredibly significant in the discipleship of God's church. And so mm. uh, how, how are you making disciples? I don't I just don't get it. Have you ever had to do that? Like if you like I'm just thinking of the pastor who and not necessarily like afraid to talk about money, but the people the biggest givers or the board maybe of trustees or something is saying, "Hey, we should be focusing on this as a church where that pastor feels like he can't take the church in the direction that he feels like a bold direction." I don't know, man. I'm just I just don't have that experience you have here. That, yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, um even our our most generous people and our people for the capacity for the most generosity mm-hmm. here are just the most like loving, mm. open hearted, God changed my life, how can I help group mm-hmm. of humans I've ever met, man. It's un and I can tell you when we Very first started true. the church and I'm running around with some we didn't grow up in, around money at all. Right. And very quickly, I am some, there's a bunch of people with a bunch of money here early, and I did not know how I would do with them. Mm-hmm. But I knew this there's one name under heaven whereby we must be saved. Mm-hmm. And I knew that there's no way I could be the pastor and shepherd of this place and not be able to boldly proclaim the full counsel. Mm-hmm. And I have had some conversations a long time ago with some guys that were like, here's what I want to do. And I'd be like, you're not being serious. Mm-hmm. You're not being serious, man. Like, I'm, I know that's a little aggressive, and I knew these people well enough. Like, they had invited me into their life to disciple them. Mm. And just like in many other areas, I'd be like, this is not going to lead you to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Then we, I had to push them, spur one another on, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, the part of it is that's how I'm wired, man. I ain't scared. I'm not, it, I, I, I don't operate in fear. 
Be, you know, there's no person at the church that called me to this position, and so they ain't gonna call me out of it. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna just try to do what he's told me to do. Yeah. But my experience, as hard as I poke from stage, my experience is the other way. Yeah. That regardless of what the number is, people that have really stretched in the area of generosity, all I ever hear is thank you. Mm-hmm. It's the best decision I've ever mm-hmm. made in my true walk my with family, Jesus, for sure. man. It's true for all of we would I don't know how you categorize who's got what. Hmm. But trusting Jesus as a part of this church together with this church yeah. in this way, bro, it's changed my family. It's changed our lives in the best way. Ours too, man. And so I you know, I think about it like uh I think it was Keller, Tim Keller that that I heard say this the first time. And it's true, man, because I used to like I spent a lot of time in really, 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 really abject poverty contexts as a pastor. Mm-hmm. I've been in the worst slums in the world, yeah. some of the biggest slums in the world, worked with some of the poorest churches in the world. I mean, I could just sit here for hours and hours and hours and tell the story of God's faithfulness among the poor, mm-hmm. the financially poor. But where they are financially poor, I promise you, they are spiritually and emotionally rich in ways that some of the financially richest Christians that I know Mm. only dream of. Correct. Yeah. And you go on a mission trip, you'll be strangely jealous of the people you go to serve. 100%. They're discipling you way more than you're discipling them, and you should Mm. go on a mission trip. Mm. That said, I heard Tim Kelly, but so I've I've always been very comfortable in those Mm -hmm. contexts. and. And, but I always had this like for years, especially my my twenties, which seems like a long time ago now. Uh, it is. I'd get kind of weird around people that I like had material wealth or whatever. But it, like I don't know, it just it was like this weird sure. thing, right? And um, I think some of it was because I know for now, I know now what it was. But I heard Tim Keller say in a sermon years ago, he said, "If you treat people differently because of money." Then you know it's an island in your life, mm. and he meant that if you treat if you treat people that you think are financially poor a certain way, a diff- differently than you treat people who are on your economic class or above you, then it's an idol. But if you all, it works the other way too, if you treat people who are in a different financial class upper, then you do them differently than you do people that are in your class as you perceive it, or maybe in a lower class in a socioeconomic status, then all what that does is reveal your your idolatry. And so, like, at the end of the day, the human heart is the human heart, and God chooses to give everything that's his to different people differently, and it's all his, and we disciple people. Mm-hmm. That's just what we do. And I don't care if you're rich or if you're poor financially, you have a heart, you have a soul, mm. you have dignity, you have honor, and you need to be discipled. That's mm-hmm. right. And we're in this thing together. And so there's no difference. Like, that's what I love about 2 Corinthians. It's Mm -hmm. like those who they gave from both their poverty and deep heart affliction. Read it, 2 Corinthians 8, and in plenty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's it's all encompassing. And we're all in this thing together. But yeah, I think what happens to pastors, I think the reason they get intimidated is I'm kind of thinking back. Um. Pastors may not get intimidated because somebody has money, but oftentimes the people that have it is because they're incredible leaders and they've been at it a long time and there's a real skill that they have. And yet, like, all right, so if you attend this church, there's an expectation that I am going to lead and shepherd you. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's like a leadership intimidation more than any kind mm-hmm. of financial thing. But one of the things I found out was, well, cool. If I was going to run a bank, then this guy knows way more than me. Mm-hmm. But if we're going to do Bible study, guess what? Mm-hmm. I actually am the person that right. has more knowledge and needs to be the one. Yeah. So I learned that very quick. And again, I want to say a bunch of folks here at our church, some of some of our most you know financially successful people are the most humble. No doubt. Generous, like I don't mean just in like what what they're able to sow into the kingdom. I'm talking about generous with their time, with their, you know. There's some people that run some of the most successful things you've ever heard of in Jacksonville that attend our church, and I can call them right now and say, "I need some help. Can you just advise me on something for zero dollars?" Mm-hmm. And 
you know what their advising fees would be, you know, and yet they are happy yeah. to. And so that, that's that been the attitude yeah. that I've run into. And I think if I would have hidden from it, like you're talking about, there'd be some abundance I would have never walked in in yeah. these friendships that I have with a bunch of these guys. Yeah. They're the best. Hmm. Totally. Well, maybe we can wrap this up with this. Uh, I thought of this story. I grew up in a, in a home where it was like we didn't listen to secular music, okay? And uh, did, you, did you hide I, tapes and CDs? Well, well there was did you a, play records backwards. There was a point where I <laughs> remember that. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It was supposed to be some sort of like satanic message. Yeah, backwards. Anyway, I as I started to get in high school and whatnot, you know, I started to buy some non-Christian CDs. How dare you? And and it wasn't like my it wasn't like it was uh, I was breaking the rules, but it was sort of like my parents didn't love it. Well, there was this one time where I I felt like the Lord was saying you should get rid of all those, or maybe I was just guilty guilted into it. I don't know, but I had I had the thought like I was going to try to trick God and say I'm willing to do it. Now can I just not actually do it? Because it was a it was a big old stack of of stuff, and you know back then you. 20 bucks or whatever, you know, you get, get drive to the CD store to get it. And I was trying to, to talk myself into being able to just say, convince God that I was willing to do it and not actually do it. And then eventually I just said, okay, I've got to actually do it because that proves it. And you, 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 you started the sermon tonight kind of with this, like you've got to actually take a step of yeah. action. You can't, you can't say, God, you know my heart and that I would do it, so therefore that's good enough. Um, because it's something we're going to study next year. James says, faith without works is dead. So uh, give one more word of encouragement to those folks who, who maybe they're like, hey, I've got the intention. God, isn't that enough? But no, you've got to actually back it up with something. Um, I think, so there, there's a biblical example of what you're talking about. Right. Um, and what it, fundamentally what happens is, especially when it comes to money, you'll begin to negotiate with yourself and put Jesus' name on it mm-hmm. so that you can keep what you want. That's what's actually happening. So Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and he's like, hey, man, the Bible says honor your mother and father, but you ain't taking care of your mom and daddy. And so what they did is they created this system where you could dedicate your money to the Lord, mm. and it could only go to the Lord's work. And then they lived in that. They they negotiated themselves into this thing that they stamped with approval that they were actually breaking a commandment in order to honor the Lord because I had and there was a name for this. You could take all your money and go get it dedicated at the mm-hmm. temple. Be like, that's, that's not mine. Okay? Now it's going to stay in my account, and I'm going to use it for me. And Jesus is like, man, you're defiled. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm telling you, it's going to happen this week. The Spirit of God is going to speak to the soul of men and women in our church. Mm. So let's take a stored resource. You know, we talk about Barnabas had a field, and God said, you should probably sell that field. It's more valuable to the kingdom right now than it will be to you. Mm. And in 100 years, what matters anyway? Mm. The field's still going to be here, okay? But Barnabas could have said, you know what I'm going to do? All right, I'm willing to give it to you, Lord. So I'm going to dedicate this field to you, and youth group can play laser tag on my field. And it's going to happen this week. Mm. God's going to specifically lay some things on people, house, car, a number, retirement account. It's going to be a thing, man. Mm-hmm. It ain't me. It's just whatever the Spirit of God. Like the, the shepherd right. speaks to his sheep, and they know his voice. Yep. And here's the thing. You know when you are justifying mm-hmm. faithlessness. Yeah. To trick God. You just know. Mm-hmm. And what's crazy is somebody could buy a bigger house in this season in faithfulness to what God has called them right. to do for sure. And somebody could do the exact same thing in faithlessness and do it out of fear. Mm-hmm. That's what's crazy about action, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, even our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. If you think your righteous deeds earn your righteousness, but our same righteous deeds are worship unto the Lord if they're an act of faithfulness Mm -hmm. in response to his imputed righteousness. Mm -hmm. And looking at the deeds, you can't tell. Only the human that the Spirit speaking to can tell. That's why you can't compare. My obedience is not your obedience. 
I'll answer shortly with this. I'll try anyway. My there's a the character in the Bible I not character, the person in the Bible that I most often resonate with is Barabbas. And you know, Barabbas is in prison mm-hmm. for justly. He deserved to be there. Mm-hmm. And was awaiting a really rough time <laughs> ahead because he was in prison for like insurrection. Yeah. Going against Caesar. Right. Trying to lead a rebellion. Mm-hmm. You start to draw the theological lines here, you know, pretty quickly. That said, I think about it often when the, the guards came down and they, and Pilate's like, you know, who do you want me to release? And J- Jesus of Nazareth or Barabbas and all the people are like, Barabbas. So they go and get Barabbas. At least this is how it happens in my mind. The scripture doesn't say he could have been sitting there. Or he could have been in jail in the cell. But in my mind, he's in the cell, right? And I just think about it. If Either way, whether he's handcuffed or he's in a prison cell, somebody had to come and let him go. And they open it up. Barabbas is in the prison cell, and there's a soldier standing there and looks at him and goes, hey, you can go free. A guy named Jesus is going to take your place. What do you think Barabbas did? Hold on, guys. Let's negotiate terms here. Mm. Let's negotiate. Who is this Jesus? Mm-hmm. No, man. You're, you are in prison. You are a dead man. Mm-hmm. And Jesus of Nazareth, whom you did not know and you were not looking for, mm-hmm. he's taking your place. Mm-hmm. You think? What do you think happened? That's man, dude, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. The man took my place, lived my life for me. Mm. I, so when it comes to money or my next step of obedience, I'm not saying I don't, I don't have a flesh and I don't wrestle. But when I think about that, it's just different for me. Like, I'm with him, man. I'm with him. And mm-hmm. my wife and I, we pray and we write down numbers. and we. But there's not a whole lot of anxiety or in, in it anymore in regards to how much. The, the, all the effort goes into what do you want us to do? Speak to us, mm-hmm. speak to us, yeah. and then we talk and we confirm and and we go because he mm-hmm. took our place, man. Mm-hmm. Like we're free, literally living the life, the crucified life, mm-hmm. and it's his crucifixion. So mm-hmm. yeah, man. Come on. So I'm going to use this illustration next week. So I'm prophesying into the future oh, here. You are. But when we do the one initiative. Um, our students and our kids, they do a commitment too, which is really cool. And yeah. so this was four years ago, right? So JP was uh, in the seventh grade and has got nothing, <laughs> you know? And he made a commitment of hundreds of dollars. And on the one hand, I'm really proud of him, but 10% is zero is zero. And so he comes home with his commitment, several hundred dollars. And I'm like, buddy, how are you going to pay that? I, you know, I, I was like, way to go. That's awesome. You're trusting God. And, Blah, blah, blah. But then I got to like, what do you, what do you, how are you going to pay that? And he's like, he didn't say anything spiritual, but he was like, well, I'm sure if I can't, you can cover me. <laughs> right? Right. Okay. Add a little bit of language to it. Mm-hmm. He sat in a moment, wrote down a number that he, for whatever reason, felt like he was supposed to write down in obedience. But he knew my dad can take care of me. Mm-hmm. Every single person that's going to fill out a commitment card needs to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, do you trust that your dad can take care of you? Mm-hmm. That's fundamentally what it is. Mm-hmm. That's why you can stretch. That's why you can have like, because, you know, it's almost like we're also looking at all kind of schools and stuff. And the guidance counselor said, you need a reach school, you need a match school, and you need a safe school. Right, so it's like, what are your SATs? You're pretty sure you can get in here. You should try to stretch and get into somewhere that maybe, and then there's somewhere if you can't go anywhere else, you know, mm-hmm. you can always go to wherever. I think sometimes when it comes to like commitment cards, people think about it like college. Mm. There's like, all right, let's, there's like a safe number. We can do that. We probably ought to. Then there's the like, all right, if we took the first and best thing seriously, we could probably do this. And then there's this, like. By faith, and I'm not sure how it's going to happen. Thing. Mm-hmm. I think the people that are really knowing my dad can take care of me, mm-hmm. 
then by faith can say, yeah, man, let's trust him for it. Mm-hmm. Let's trust him for it. Because if not, this isn't like, this isn't like a, a legally binding document with a bank. You know what I mean? This is a faith commitment. We're trusting God. Right. Together. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. yeah. I love that, uh, and I love that it's it's only a, like there's nobody who's just like gonna get, come back and inspect and be like, well, don't you think you could do better? No, it's just all about listening to you and the Lord, yeah, what the Lord is gonna say. Yeah. yeah. Well, Pastor Joby, I'd love for you to pray, and you know, I know I certainly pray often for that boldness, and and um, I know that our church needs that too. So yeah. pray for us that we would step out in boldness, especially in this season. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, just like Acts 3 and 4, those two chapters in the early part of that church's history propelled the church into its future for the next 2,000 years. God, we know these these couple of weeks are propelling our church into our future. And Lord, I pray that we would we would be bold because we were filled with the Holy Spirit. We pray that that people all over Jacksonville and all over Jessup and all over the world would see your hand stretched out and signs and wonders and healing and mamas and babies taken care of and prisoners served and seniors engaged and first responders loved on and 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 they would be in wonder and amazement for your glory. And so God, we pray that you would speak clearly to your sheep and that you would give us the bold faith to do, to take action, to be able to do whatever it is that you've called us to do. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen.